Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode nine of the Use the Game podcast. Okay, got you. All right, everybody. Today, I got my guy, um, Coach Larry Moore on the Use the Game podcast, man. Just uh, Coach is excited. You know, the basketball season starting, man. And I know you uh, have a large following, man. So I just kind of wanted to jump into how did you get your start? um at Hammond High kind of tell the people you know a little bit about yourself all right so uh my first job here at Hammond High was a, a assistant coach with my dad uh I was his assistant coach and JV coach for about ooh, 19 years uh after playing college ball got into the game uh, actually coached eighth grade one year at our middle school and then uh transitioned over with my dad and my brothers as an assistant coach for him for a number of years. Okay. So now you you actually have playing experience, Coach. So can you talk about, um, one, that we talk about our young men on a daily mm -hmm. basis about uh, what it is to play uh, college basketball. Mm -hmm. um, tell us about your college basketball experience. So coming out of high school uh, from St. Francis de Sales in Chicago, uh, assigned to play Division One at uh, Eastern Illinois and uh, played there a year um, and, and left from there and, and went and played for Bruce Pearl at the University of Southern Indiana. Uh, what, went play, uh, what took place at uh, Eastern wasn't a, a, just a terrible experience, but the guy who actually recruited me uh, left a week before school started. So wow, I was okay. already packed and ready to go down, moving to Thomas Hall. And so uh, things were just kind of bumpy. Uh, when the guy that recruited you uh, leaves, you know, he he took a job at Western Kentucky. And gotcha. so more year, I go down to Southern Indiana. They had just won a national championship, uh, went and played in three open gyms or three games in open gym, uh, maybe a week after they won the national championship. And uh, Bruce Pearl offered me a scholarship. So uh, at that point, things were looking on the up and up. Uh, Preseason, I tear uh, seven ligaments in my right foot and then five in my left. So I ended up red shirt wow. in a year. Okay. So um, that next season ended up playing was, you know, probably about 70% was kind of second and third on the depth chart. I did play some minutes, but really didn't log a lot of minutes due to not being a hundred percent, but it was still a great experience. Um, after that season, uh, me and me and uh, Bruce Pearl sat down and talked and just kind of where I was at in the depth chart. And, uh, I was still kind of the third guard. So um, I left there and went and played at Loris uh, College, which was D3, and went down there and played about 38 minutes a game. And then that next year played about 35 minutes a game, led us in scoring and assists and uh, it's like third or so in rebounding. So my journey was a little different based upon injuries, but uh, I really wouldn't change it at all. Um, met some of my closest friends during that journey. And, you know, basketball is just a key to what you want to do in life, but it doesn't always go the the right way. You can't really control injuries and things of that nature. Right. Now, Coach, now, now we talk a lot, man, and, you mm -hmm. know, I know our teams battle, but they don't understand the um, what it is to be, like, really in this business. So if you can talk about um, – some of your challenges, you know what I'm saying, that you have to overcome as far as becoming um, a head coach and, and what's your biggest uh, challenge each year uh, when you're going into it? 
Well, uh, I think the biggest thing is getting kids to buy into what you want done for the team. Uh, there's so many outside sources, uh, parents, trainers, just guys in the neighborhood trying to tell kids what's best for them. And uh, many a times these guys have never even played ball uh, at any level and really don't understand the logistics um, behind sports. And so you have to get those guys to buy in simply because it's hard. There's so many people reaching out to our kids. So um, even when they're good kids, you have people pulling from them, telling them different things. So I think that's the hardest thing is uh, the outside sources. And then with social media, we didn't deal with social media. Right, exactly. Uh, social media is the one that praises them and then it'll tear them down when they have a bad game. And at the end of the day, they're still kids. Right. And so uh, being able to navigate and, and just keep them together, that that's the, I think that's the biggest thing. Right, and, it, and it's crazy because everywhere I go, this dude right here, I know somebody that knows you. So, um, <laughs> You know, and, and I think sometimes people get the, you know, when we say no, it's almost mm -hmm. as if uh, we're hating or we're doing something. But um, from the seat of a head coach, man, if you have one injury, you know what I'm saying, just for, for playing, you know, a certain uh, amount of time or amount mm -hmm. of days, that affects our season. You know Absolutely. what I'm saying? So um, if, if you can if you can talk about on all levels of what you learned from, from being a player, from transitioning from a player to an assistant to a head coach, what's one thing that you can say that kind of all brings it back together and helps it line up from what you learned from a, and to help your players right. understand that you know that that you know what they're going through. So when you first leave the court playing from college and become a coach, it's it's a hard transition to take a couple years for you to understand why a kid can't do something. Mm -hmm. because you could actually do it and the people around you could do it. So you have to learn how to remove yourself from what you did as a player and then start teaching the fundamentals and, and teach it in a way that they get it. Some of my best math teachers were coaches, right? So they broke it down in a way they would break it down uh, at St. Francis. I remember Mr. Lick played at Wisconsin, was my algebra teacher, man. He broke things down like to a science. So I was really good at algebra, but it, it comes from his coaching and he brought that into the classroom. And so as I got later years into my coaching, I had to go back and like look at the things that my dad taught me, particularly Mr. Lick during that algebra, how he pretty much made his classroom like the football field and his teachers and the things that he learned at the University of Wisconsin and um, just the fundamentals. And then Whatever your philosophy is, you got to stick with it. Everybody's not going to agree with it, you know, and you have to be willing to change. So if I'm a man to man guy, but I don't have man to man personnel. Right. Exactly. I to swallow my pride and, and, and coach the defenses that fit my personnel. It's not like we're in college and we're plugging in those same kids every year because you can't scholarship wise. That's not that's not our dynamic. So I have to a lot of times change my mindset of what I want to do or what my assistant coaches may want to do or the fans may want to see to fit the need of, of, of my personnel. And that's the, that's the big adjustment. And that's what you have to deal with as a head coach and be okay with the criticism and things that come with it. Because at the end of the day, we are the ones, uh, if they win is the kids, if we lose, it's us. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, and you got to take it. I mean, people will say Coach K can't coach or Mike Sosesky can't coach or right. you know, Doc Rivers. So 
it comes with it as a head coach. And, you know, you have to take that time out when you got to take it. It don't matter what nobody else thinking. And you got to be cool with it. And it's like the reality of it is there's a lot of dark hours by yourself where you're thinking mm -hmm. what I could have done differently that people don't see that ride home, that time you're watching film or you're in your classroom. Those are lonely hours that you're trying to do what you think best is for your team to win. And everybody don't understand it. And, it, and your circle becomes small when you're a head coach. It becomes very small, and I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm good with that. Right. So now, when you when you talk about from besides your dad, let's take your dad out because you know he's a legend. You know, in Chicago, and mm -hmm. you know Hammond. Let's let's take your dad out. Who who would you say that you followed or have followed or read about that has kind of shaped your coaching, uh, like a coaching mentor, men or women's, you know, basketball? Who's kind of shaped you into? how you do certain things. So my, my, one of my main mentors is Kevin Mouton. Kevin Mouton was the assistant coach at Eastern Illinois. Okay. My freshman year. He didn't recruit me. Him and coach Matt Painter were our assistant coaches. And so during that process of me uh, as a freshman, being up and down, playing a little bit, not playing, coach Mouton always told me to be ready. You get dressed for practice. You be ready. You come out and compete. You stay at an even kill. You don't show emotion. You just be ready to go. And through the years, like, he, he coached at Butler. He coached in Nebraska. He was the interim at Oregon State. Now he's at uh, Houston Baptist. And so I still reach out to him to this day. Um, he played at the University of San Francisco. But Coach Mouton has always been a guy that if I reached out to him um, from playing for him, we developed a friendship, and he became a mentor to me. And uh, anytime he touches down in Chicago, we make sure we see each other. And I bounce a lot of things off of him on situations where um, sometimes kids may be borderline dumb things that you maybe should keep or maybe not. And he'll he'll give me that balance. Um, same thing with my older brother, Tamel Moore, who coaches at Bloom. Those are the two when I like struggling to make a decision for the team. I reach out to those guys. Gotcha. And so interesting that you, you know, you, you name some of those people. Now you've seen those people grow into you know, Division One guys. You see Matt Painter growing into a Division One head coach, and you know, having Division One experience. A lot of people, like you said earlier, don't know the the dark hours that you know we put on. So, like, you know, when we battle, you know, what I'm saying, everybody. Mm -hmm. Yes, I have not, you know, and I consider you as like a you know older person, and I kind of watch because when I when I first came in, I'm mm -hmm. like, man, who is this smooth cat rolling down <laughs> the sidelines? Like, who is this? Who is this guy? Like, you know, right. I'm trying to figure out, you know. Um, I respect everybody. I respect what you respect what you do at your program. And right. so what, what sometimes what people fail to realize, I may not be able to do what you do. I have to do what what, what I what I work with on my level. You get right. what I'm saying? The right. connections that you have, yeah, they may we may meet in the middle somewhere, but yeah. I can't always do what you do over at your program and how you do it. So yeah. I have to focus on what I do over here. So we got different Exactly. So yeah. speaking on that, like what's your What's your pillars like? What it like, like? If you three to four pillars that you stand on every year that your your guys know when you walk in the hallway, they may tease you about something because you said. So what are you? What do you stand on? What's Hammond High basketball for you? Um, we're gonna play hard. We're gonna play hard. I, I try to teach them to be respectful on and off the court, man. Over the last few years, man, I've had great kids, man. Mm -hmm. like, I mean, very respectful that sometimes they too nice on the court. Right, right. Very respectful kids. I haven't had uh, groups of kids getting in trouble. 
I mean, kids are late to class, but that's right. normal. that's not out of the ordinary. But um, and they know we're going to work hard and the expectations has been raised here because we were so close for years battling with Griffith and like we would just couldn't get over that hump. Right. You know what I mean? And so I'm questioning myself as a coach. What am I doing wrong? What do I need to do differently? And it was like, hey, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to work on every day. And it may look elementary, but this is what we're going to do to get better as a, as a program. You know what right. I mean? Um, those those it was a three year period, man. We always played Griffith close, man. I couldn't beat them. Right. And man, I mean, all spring and summer, bro, like I'm struggling mentally, like, man, I cannot get over this hump with them. Like mm -hmm. they got my number and they got it good. Right. You know what I mean, and so I just was trying to figure out what I needed to do. And, and it was just, man, we're going to be tough every night, man. You ain't going to make shots and but you can be tough every night and compete at a high level and right. you're going to compete for your brother, you know, right. in the midst of it, they know every day they're not going to like me in practice. If your players like you every day, you're doing something. <laughs> exactly. You know I mean? Like there's going to be times you mad at me, but at the end of the day, when we're able to cut down that, so you're able to win conference, all of that goes out of the window immediately once you're able to achieve that. So I'm okay with, being a bad guy, you know what I mean? If that's what it takes for them to understand, but I'm trying to prepare them for life. And then if you get the opportunity to play in college, those coaches are not going to say, man, they want to tell how to play help side. They want to tell how to communicate. You know what I mean? Those different things, man, we go over every single day and repetition, repetition. It gets old, but I, I really a stickler about that um, where I wasn't early on. Um, we were teaching it, but I wasn't doing it enough. Right. Right. So you, you speak on college basketball. Now, you I know you have a few, you know, a few guys that you've actually trained, you know, AAU. Uh -huh. so let's kind of get into, you know, the uh, it's Darryl, Darryl, right? Darryl, 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 Darryl Reed. OK, so Darryl Reed uh, going to Alabama State. Now, even before I, you know, was going to jump on with you, um, you know, you see a lot of things around the region that goes on just talking about. You know, mm -hmm. there are only a handful of black coaches um, that are African-American coaches that are in this region. But as I was looking and thinking about through the state, there is not a lot in the state. You know, no, so when you go right. so when you go from the region to Indianapolis successful, um, why is it important for us to back each other and get our kids to look at not only division ones or any just any school at all why is that important in your mind to, to to not be against so much focusing on a competition against each other not liking each other and staying together what's your, what's your opinions on that so one thing people may not know they know that we have a friendship but um after we compete man we end up texting each other after the right. game people may not know and the year that you lost over at hanover and we end up winning my one of my first texts that I got was from you. Right. We compete against each other because y'all were on the other side, but right. you end up losing a tough game. And that shows like a lot of character, a lot of respect on your end because none of us want to lose. Exactly. You understand what I'm saying? And my guys know when we play Cal, you mean he's gonna have them ready to rock and roll. So we gotta compete. And so um, but at the end of the day, what they don't understand is Bo may text me, Bo Patton from Maryville may text me and say, Hey. 
this guy's interested in Keon, but they also looking at a big, I'm gonna shoot his number and vice versa. And we all three of us have communicated offline in a way that people don't even understand because just because I have a player, they may not be looking for a big, they may be looking for a guard in this particular class. And I say, well, hey, Dominique got a really good guard that's a sophomore. Right. Share that type of information. But those are things that we're going to continue to do offline. You don't have to say everything that you're doing online for kids because that's not that's not how it works. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? And then to transition into in the state of Indiana, there's not a lot of black coaches, man. It's, there's, they're just not. And so we are, I, I would probably say less than 10% in the state. I might be too high. Right. So we do deal with a different dynamic as a black coach. You have an all black staff, you have all black players. There are some challenges that people don't even think that we face going into certain situations that is our reality. Mm -hmm. And people can try to act like it's not there, but it is there. Right. And there have been nights where there have been not bad calls, just questionable calls and things that they've said to my staff and told my my assistant coach, shut up. I don't talk to you like very disrespectful things because we are black. So yeah. um, outside of what we deal with on a daily basis with the kids in school and coaching, then on the sideline, man, there are some of those refs that may take jabs out of us simply because we are black. And then when you're a younger black guy, then – They'll treat you a certain type of way if they don't know who you are. And then right. during the process, my first couple of years, there was like, ah, uh, that's Coach Moore's son. He don't know nothing. He yeah. got it because of his, you know what I mean? So it took a long time to learn, earn the respect of, of the refs that maybe a younger white coach may not have to go through. Right. And, that, and that's our reality, man. And, and so we have a whole nother piece that we deal with, even with our demographic as a black coach that, a white coach may not deal with like a, a kid not having a winter coat, um, may not have their money for the gear, uh, may not have money to eat lunch that day. Like there's a lot of different things that we do that is not shown in the public. And we do it because this this becomes our family. And right. I treat them like they're my own son. And in the midst of that, they're still you're going to discipline them. You're not going to agree with everything. You know what I mean? I have a four year old that I'm trying to teach right from wrong. And, and it, you have to teach him. So it's no different with the older kids that we still have to be in a place as a disciplinarian, as a father figure, friend. Sometimes like you have to be able to be so flexible. All of these things take place on a daily basis before we even get to practice, let alone the game. Exactly. And what they see on a Friday night, man, they don't know what we've been through Monday through Thursday. Right, exactly. We're going to leave exactly. Saturday out the thing because right. I'm praying that they make the practice. Exactly. And that's another thing, like, you know, when you talk, when you refer back to, you know, when I first got here, we were like, like, man, like, who is this crazy dude, like, running around on the sideline and, you know, different things like that. But that's my energy. Like, right. I have to. And I told the referees, like, don't be offended by my energy. You know what I'm saying? I'm coaching my kids and I may not, you know, I've had to refuse. I'm not talking to you, <laughs> you know, and yeah. it's just the fact that I'm like here, you know, my culture here, what I've had to, you know, deal with some of the things being and I and I don't say it as a, like I'm parading around, but being the first black coach in the history of Calumet to actually, you know, win a sectional. And like I said, I have a assistant coach, Willie Cross, who's been over here 40 years and could easily have transitioned to that role and knows every and knows everybody knows your dad knows you know, a, a ton of people, man. So, mm -hmm. um, so, so just lastly, just, you know, 
us us coming to together mm-hmm. as a region to be able to you know promote college and just talk about like you went you you've been on each level honestly you've been on multiple levels um what advice would you give to you know those young men who you know are struggling they want to go to school you know and play college basketball but you know i kind of like one foot in and one foot out and don't know how they're going to get there so first um seek information from men who know what know what's going on and what i mean is uh because we were at the collegiate i'm not saying we don't we know everything but we know a lot more than somebody who hasn't been to school period let alone play um if you don't know ask don't assume things man you would be amazed how many kids I come across in my program and other programs who have not heard of the NCAA clearinghouse. Mm-hmm. So when we have all these different basketball groups and they're talking about X, Y, Z, well, a kid can get an offer, but if he ain't even created his profile on the NCAA clearinghouse and understand how that works, that you have to submit your current schedule. You Each year you have to submit your transcript each year for the review to make sure that you're eligible for division one or division two. Those are the type of things that we need to be discussing because it's easy to say, hey, Dominique, he got a kid over there. That's good. But they don't know that this kid may have a 1.5. But in the public eye, they'll say, well, Coach Nelson didn't do his job and get him recruited. But they don't know that this kid has a 1.5. Exactly right. Okay, So they got to understand the whole dynamic behind it. And then they got to understand there are some kids you see on Friday night that we got to beg them to come to practice. That's not a college basketball kid. That's He's not going to make it in college basketball because it's so structured. And I don't think these people understand the schedule that we have when you get out of right. class. Exactly. You got weights. You got film. You got practice. When you're a freshman, sophomore, you in study hall, mandatory, till you get them grades right. Right. You, know, you could come out of high school with a 3.5. They still putting you in study hall. Exactly. So, those are the five or six hours that a common person don't understand that a college athlete has to put in and it's mandatory. It's a mandatory schedule. When you get there, your time is not your time anymore. Right. You understand right. what I'm saying? And right. people don't understand that. And if you get injured, now you got to go to the facility an hour early for exactly. treatment. Exactly. But you still better get your lift in. You still better get the car. Right. Like there's a whole lot of things that people don't understand. A lot of times I just get quiet because a lot of people say things and it's like, bro, you have no clue what it takes to be a college athlete. Mm-hmm. They're not coming to knock on your door to wake you up. That's not happening. Room checks, class checks. Yeah, all of that, man. And those are things that everybody is not cut for that. Kid could be a monster on the court. Mm-hmm. But if those deficiencies in the classroom, you don't know how to study because college ain't just basketball. You right. got to be able to go to class, basketball, and you got to have a social life because that's a exactly. part of it. Exactly. Because when we get out of practice, you still got homework, but everybody else been out of class for four hours. Four Not hours, everybody. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know, they've been done or they sleep in and go like so. As an athlete, you have to learn how to balance all of it. And I think that's a very important thing. Like, you have to have a social life. Right. Now, mm-hmm. the, now the biggest question I wanted to ask you now, now everybody's going to pick, and we're in the same section, and we're going to compete. Right. Um, so how did you deal with, and these, these are my last two, and, you know, I, I'll let you go. So, like, 
you dealt with COVID last year. Now you mm-hmm. were a favorite after you all, you know, beat us and, and went on to the regionals. You all mm-hmm. were favorite. How did you have to deal with that in your program? And how do you deal with now the next year? You got some of the same guys coming back and people are saying, you know, picking you, picking you. Now, yeah, we using that as motivation. We already in practice, like, look, it's right. going to be, you know, and we're not overlooking anybody else, but our, I mean, me and you talk all the time and say, look, right. at the end of the day, bro, I want to see, well, even before when we weren't in the same section, or, hey, I expect to see you. I'd rather be you and I every year because Period. I know, because I right. know who you are and, right. you know, I'm not rooting against anybody's one's program, but how did you deal with COVID? How are you dealing with this year now being again a, a contender and, and trying to move forward? So, Last year, um, after COVID hit and we were at 20 and four, and we had a great chance to re- uh, win that regional, man, it, I was I was struggling, man, for a couple months of mm-hmm. the unknown. Now, in the midst of that, when it became such a serious situation with the pandemic worldwide, I kind of took myself out of it, gotcha. out of basketball mode, because right. okay, now I can't, my son can't go see my parents, you know, because we don't know what's going on. So, that kind of helped me deal with the loss of basketball because this was bigger than basketball. Right. But I still had my moments of uncertainty and, and like, man, we put in all this work and it was taken away. Then it was nothing you could do about it. And mm-hmm. my seniors, they're done forever. It's nothing. They, it was it. You know what I mean? Right. Um, even if you were a senior, you played and you lost, at least you played that last game. Like my seniors will never get that opportunity because of the pandemic, you know, which is where we're still at now. You right. know, what I mean? um, moving forward this year, man, I haven't looked that far to be honest, man. I, I want to get through the first scrimmage. Right. Exactly. Um, man, our first home game is going to be senior night because I don't want those guys to somehow that the country and the world get shut down. Right. They missed that opportunity. So I'm literally taking it day by day. Okay. Yeah. Um, praying that all my family and friends are staying safe. My players are staying safe. I got a four-year-old. I'm not trying to take nothing back home. Him, like, exactly. so it's like it's real, man. So it's not. Do we do we have an ultimate goal? Yeah. Every coach on the first day of practice feels, man, we're gonna win sectional. We're gonna win regional. Exactly. Right. We're going out state. You should. If if that's not in your mind when you start practice, you shouldn't coach. Exactly. Even exactly. if you you know it's not gonna happen, that has to be <laughs> what I think. Right. You know, maybe y'all coach, I think I'm in the state. If you right. don't, then something is wrong. Now, has it been realistic most of the time? Not even close. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, right. 10 games. But right. <laughs> um, we just going day by day, man, because it was snatched away. And, like, I feel terrible for my seniors, man, because, like, we were at 20 and 4, man, and we were really good, and we were playing some good ball at that time. And we were really confident going into regionals, like, man, we can get this first regional in over 50 years or whatever. Right. And it got snatched away. Yeah. So um, we just trying to take it day by day. Don't take anything for granted because it could be called again. It could be pushed back. Um, obviously, our goal is to get out of sectional again and see where we're at. You know, we're not. I'm not going to downplay that, you know, because uh, that's our goal. That's our right. goal. Exactly. To get, get farther. But we don't overlook anybody or you know it's just if this team is in the way then that's what we have to do to get to the next step of our goal and right. that's that has to be the mindset but man we're so we so far from that man and then my schedule this year is, is yeah you gotta yeah and and, that, and that's what i try to tell people all the time man i'm like 
your schedule is going to be different, you know, from mine. Like it's right. like I'm dealing with a different, you know, everybody deals with a different, different demographic. And I, like I tell people all the time, man, I don't ever try to compare what I'm doing when you all went to regional and you all won their first regional game. And I was like, look, that last game. And, you know, I hate the process of having to play two games in one day. You know what I'm saying? They need to change that. I think they need to change it. You know, the stakes are too high to put two games and then it's just it's just not a good it's, like after that not. first game there's nowhere to go nowhere so to go our fans are down for five six hours there's nowhere to go we had to literally go lay on the floor of the hotel to wait to play cover which cover was posted up at a college getting right. exactly right yeah they had <laughs> as a group they get <laughs> treatment man we land right. on the man eating subway and cookies man right exactly you know, and, there's a, there's a difference. Yeah, and if your program can't afford that, then guess what? You got to settle for a classroom. And, right. and when our regional a couple of years ago, when we went to regionals, we was all there together. The, right. the only thing we had to do was we had to go to a classroom. You know and what I'm saying? You're talking and, about being in a classroom from 1 o'clock to 5 o'clock to 5.30. Like, man, that's a tough thing. So the state really needs to look at. I would right. be fine if you did a Friday, Saturday. Exactly. Whoever wins on Friday, advance play Saturday night, you stay in the hotel. I think it's too much at stake to put two games. No other state does that. And I don't right. know why they've kept that, but I think it needs to be updated because it's right. definitely outdated. Exactly. And, and, and there's too much at stake, man. But yeah, we, uh, man, we taking it day by day, to be honest, man. Well, coach, like I said, man, I'm, you know, I appreciate you, uh, you know, jumping on with me, man. Like I said, my good friend, and uh, we'll definitely uh, continue. You know, our mission of helping kids get to school, man. Um, but everybody, that's Coach Larry Moore uh, from Hammond High, guys. Hey, man, appreciate you having me on, bro. Stay safe, man. All right, you too, man. Right on, bro.